sweet land of liberty, our founding fathers not only pledged, but gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to obtain our God-given liberty. Now it's our turn. Liberty can only thrive if it's alive in the hearts of a freedom-loving people. I'm Dan Matthews, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Freedom's Ring. Here's our host and constitutional lawyer and minister, Alan Reinach. Welcome back to Freedom's Ring, my friends. It was 30 years ago that the Supreme Court decimated the Free Exercise Clause, and now it appears they're poised to do the same to the Establishment Clause, but this time allegedly in the service of religious liberty. What is going on? Well, I've invited my friend and colleague, Kevin James, who's the Religious Liberty Director for the Seventh-day Adventist Church, or Associate Director, in the Southern United States, to be my guest today. Kevin, welcome back to Freedom's Ring. Alan, it's good to be with you again. Thank you. So, you know, you and I have had these discussions, uh, not on the radio, about what's happening with our spin on the Constitution. Mm -hmm. What's your basic concern here? Well, in our exchange of emails, uh, the concern with me is that I'm seeing um, threats uh, to the religion clauses um, coming from two different aspects, you might say. For conservatives, um, I see an issue with they are so concerned for a loss of free exercise that they go to the extent to protect it by decimating the establishment clause by uh, trying to privilege a certain religion. And it seems that the left is trying to do the opposite, where they're so afraid of the establishment clause that they're trying to limit free exercise. You mean they're afraid of the, they're afraid of the free exercise clause, so they want to build up the establishment clause. You know, for the conservatives, uh, they're afraid of losing free exercise that they end up um, <laughs> uh, decimating the, the establishment clause because they want to establish in order to protect free exercise. Does that make sense? So, I hope so. I think so. <laughs> um, so, when we're talking about the establishment clause, you know, the time-worn, uh, tried-and-true yeah. illustration is the wall of separation between church and state. And listeners, no, it's not a lie of the left. It is actually created by very devout Christians, such as Roger Williams, a Mm -hmm. Puritan minister, uh, the founder of Rhode Island, and he later became a Baptist and greatly influenced the Baptist concepts of church-state separation. Uh, which has certainly influenced our own Seventh-day Adventist understanding. So, mm-hmm. you know, the principle, it really, it comes out of the church's concern for, you know, freedom from government intrusion, you know, freedom for the church, and and uh, it's not antithetical to religious liberty. It's, it's essential for religious mm-hmm. liberty. In what ways are conservatives trying to tear down the Establishment Clause? Well, I think a couple of them, at least that I've been concerned about, is, uh, and I think you've probably had some recent programming on this, but it was the Espinosa case that came before the Supreme Court here um, just recently. And um, in the oral arguments there, and that happens to be a um, an aid, uh, well, what do you find 
Yeah, a financial aid to religious schools. That's correct. Through a um, what would they call that? An, it was a scholarship a tax credit. Yeah, a tax yeah. credit scholarship. That's right. I was trying to think of exactly what it was. Uh, they're in Montana, and even though the tax credit program has since been um, eliminated after this year, the um, the ones in the, that are bringing the case uh, before the Supreme Court are stridently saying that um, the uh, religious schools ought to be able to receive government funding, even though there is a no-aid clause in the Montana Constitution. So they're seeking to have government support religion um, based on their free exercise claim. You know, one of my concerns about this case, Kevin, you know, there's an entitlement premise there. They've been arguing entitlement. that Mm -hmm. The principle could be expanded upon and... Christian schools could argue that they are entitled to the same level of per-pupil funding Mm -hmm. that the state spends on public schools. That's correct. Right. And, of course, the problem with that is that that would then turn private religious schools into public schools because, you know, of that other golden rule, you know, the government... He's got the gold, makes the rules, and the government's gonna um, gonna come down on curriculum requirements and uh, you know teacher certification requirements, who can teach, non-discrimination provisions, and all the rest. And yes. so we won't be able to hire Christian teachers of our own bent, uh, you know, for these schools. It's bizarre, really. It really is. And, and the Espinosa case is coming directly out of a case that really concerned me, and I believe you as well, Alan, uh, was the Trinity case here a couple of years ago. Uh, that had mm-hmm. to do with the rubber matting for the school playground at the, at a Lutheran church there in Missouri. And, um, even though one thing that concerned me about that reading Roberts, at least for me, Alan, reading Roberts' opinion, Justice Roberts' opinion on that was the, you know, there was no discussion about the issues of establishment or the establishment clause. He just went directly to the sense that just because that they were a church, they were turned down for that rubber matting that they could have gotten through that grant program that the state does. And they claimed, mm-hmm. again, it was a violation of free exercise coming from the same angle that Espinosa is doing. And, mm-hmm. and my concerns have been that when Trinity came down, I said, we're going to see all sorts of legal means now to demand funding, especially for schools, from the state based on what Justice Roberts had written in his opinion. Now, you might have remembered the famous footnote three, uh, well, it's kind of famous, I guess, where Roberts was kind of, was trying to suggest that, look, this doesn't mean this is just a free-for-all for, uh, you know, trampling upon no-aid clauses, which Missouri had another one of those no-aid clauses in their constitution. But interestingly enough, the new uh, one of the new justices, Gorsuch, uh, disagreed with him, and it was mm-hmm. out of his opinion. It was out of his opinion that I became concerned. I said, "No, these guys are seeing the lights going on. That that now we have a mechanism to use." And Espinosa feels very much that way. That there's a mechanism found in the Trinity case, which is cited over and over again in the oral arguments mm-hmm. where the case Trinity was cited sure. over and over again, saying, "You look, you got to toss these no aid clauses out." Well, I want to sound a warning alarm for our listeners. 
because I'm quite sure that whatever our views might be of how the Constitution should be interpreted, we all want to have uh, vigorous and healthy churches and religious sector in our society. We, you know, you and I are Christians. We we value um, what the church brings to our nation and having vigorous churches and Christian people. But my warning is this. Look at Europe. Europe is a post-Christian continent. Mm -hmm. It is post-Christian, and all the churches in Western Europe, to be sure, are fully funded by the state. So this is a be careful what you wish for scenario. You may get all the government funding you want and destroy the vitality of the church and destroy the church. You know, because if the government's going to pay, then we don't have to. And, you know, this is what happens. Uh, it will lead to the decline of the American church. And that would be a great tragedy. I'm very concerned. This is not just about the law. This is really about, you know, the health of the gospel in our society. And that's Wouldn't very you agree, Kevin? Yeah, I would, I would agree very much on that. And, uh, I think these are, are incremental steps towards, um, government funding of religion, which ends up privileging a particular religion. In this case, it's Christianity. In this case, sure. it's, uh, they're arguing for Christianity, uh, just like we had not talked too long ago on uh, one of your programs about Project Blitz. It's just another one of these steps that we're seeing of this support of religion or, you know, that ends up going to becoming an establishment of, of a particular religion or a favoring of one particular religion. I think anytime that happens, not only do you have a decline in the church itself, but you have a decline in freedoms overall. Um, because, well, that's uh, Go ahead. you know, you know, because the government is, is, is taking a side, you might say. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that raises something else of interest here, because I know that going back to the colonial period, our founding fathers were quite clear and articulate that religious freedom was not just for Christians, that it was inclusive. And they specifically mentioned Jews, Roman Catholics, and Muslims. Now, mm -hmm. today, there are definitely some religions that are unpopular among certain people. Um, Islam uh, is a religion that, although one of the three great religions, uh, you know, from Abraham, uh, you know, it comes under a lot of attack these days. So how are people going to feel when Islamic schools say, well, if there's money, and uh, churches are entitled to it, we're entitled to it too. Uh, and is the government going to say, well, no, it's only for some churches, some religions, and not for others? Uh, I'll give you another example. What about the Church of Scientology? Um, you know, it's a very unpopular religion, but it's been recognized by the IRS after, you know, considerable uh, years of struggle. It, it is recognized as a religion. Well, Whatever you think of it, if we're going to have government funding for religion, is the government going to decide which religions are entitled and say some religions are not good and make a, you want government deciding which religions are good and which religions aren't good? That's true. And we're almost having a repeat because, you know, of history to a degree in the sense of back in the 1800s, what Islam is in a negative sense for so many today, 
uh, Catholics were then. And there was a battle precisely over this issue of funding of, of public schools. And, mm-hmm. um, and there was, there was in-runs trying to disadvantage the Catholic faith. Um, because of that, there was a, uh, you know, a lot of discussion over those issues. Yes. And so raising up the very similar things that you're talking about. So I think anytime well, that, anytime that government leaves its neutrality towards religion, you're going to create all sorts of disharmony and division. Well, that's a good point. That, you know, maybe we close with that concept of neutrality, that the government's job is not to favor one religion over another, but to remain neutral, right? Correct. And that's how we have a society with people of all different religions, and we're all equal in the eyes of the law, regardless of our faith, and we all have religious freedom. Uh, if we start tearing down the wall of separation between church and state, we're going to lose that. We're going to lose that religious freedom, and then you have religious groups lobbying for what they think they're entitled to. Exactly. And some some will get a bigger piece of the pie than others. That is correct. And uh, and somebody's bound to be disadvantaged along the line, that's for sure. Well, this has been a wonderful discussion with my friend and colleague, Kevin James, serving as an Associate Religious Liberty Director in the Southern United States. Kevin, thanks, as always, for being with us on Freedom's Ring. Thank you for having me, Alan. Always a pleasure. And as we close, remember, folks, at Freedom's Ring, we don't just talk about religious freedom. We help workers suffering religious discrimination. Check out our legal resources page at churchstate.org, churchstate.org. And don't forget, friends, freedom is not free. Be informed. Get involved. Join the North American Religious Liberty Association producer of Freedom's Ring on the web at religiousliberty.info. Be sure to listen to Freedom's Ring on our SoundCloud radio station or on iTunes. This has been Freedom's Ring. I'm your host, Alan Rynock. Until next week, let Freedom Ring. 